Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, praise the Lord. Good to be here today. Good to be here with you. There's just a really sweet presence of God here this morning that I hope you sense, and I hope that you uh, were a part of ushering in as we worshiped Him. You know, when we praise Him, when we worship Him, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. He comes and he visits us. And so if, if when you come into a church service, no matter what church service it is, and, and the worship's going forth, um, it doesn't matter if you're in a food coma from Christmas. It doesn't matter if you're kind of in that lazy mood of sitting around all day, because that's what holidays do to us, don't they? Uh, what matters is, is that we enter in and we take advantage of every opportunity that we have to worship our king because he is so worthy of our worship and when you do that he'll inhabit those praises and he'll begin to change you and is there anybody in here raise your hand if you don't need to be changed in any way at all you're perfect the way you are still looking for a hand so there's nobody perfect here awesome church is for the imperfect right if you're perfect, stay home. Uh, <laughs> we love you guys. We're so happy to be here. This is the last message of the year. And uh, I entitled it 2020 Hindsight. Uh, you know, they say that hindsight is always 2020. In other words, it's easy to have perfect vision when you're looking back at what already has happened. Amen? And looking back over the year 2020, and the hindsight created from it, there are many things that have become very clear and have become so because we are on the other side of them or at least on our way to the other side of them. Online learning is one of the things we've learned is is tough, it's a tough thing. From kids belching online when their mute button wasn't on to teachers trying to teach from home with their own kids, pets and spouses doing everything on, or lots of things on that video to totally embarrass them. Distractions increase when everybody is not in one controlled environment. We've learned that. How many have seen those blooper videos from classrooms? I mean, there's some hilarious stuff. Uh, We have also learned that gas prices go down when nobody's driving because everything's closed. Have you noticed that? Are you awake this morning? Turn to your neighbor and just kind of punch him in the shoulder. Not too hard. No matter how much, another thing we've learned is no matter how much a person wants their mask to make a fashion statement, it just doesn't work, so please stop trying. (laughs) Masks are good, wear them, that's great, but they're not a fashion statement, they're not an accessory. Some of you disagree, and that's okay. DoorDash is a good idea for everything, and whoever first came up with it is a genius, we've learned that. Those in the medical field that work with COVID-19 patients or care for the elderly are absolute heroes for what they do every day. We've learned that. Putting themselves in harm's way to care for those that need it most. We've learned that calendar planning doesn't make a lot of sense. The sanguines have been right all along. The phlegmatics have been right all along. What's the point of setting up a detailed calendar when you don't know what's going to happen anyway? Zoom prayer meetings 
should not be open to those who don't know how to mute or shut off their video while they're going to the bathroom. We've learned that because there's been a tremendous amount of church bloopers and interesting prayer meetings and interesting meetings with people who don't know quite what they're doing with their devices. But there are things that we have learned in 2020 that are a bit more serious than all of those things. Number one, 2020 hindsight regarding relationships. It's very clear that relationships can't be maintained through phone calls and Zoom meetings alone. And don't get me wrong, I appreciate Zoom, FaceTime, and being able to just talk on the phone. Appreciate all that stuff. I'm thankful for these things, but as essential as they have become, and hear me, they will never be a substitute for our basic need for human contact. Amen? Physical hugs, handshakes, just someone placing their hand on your shoulder, that contact is ultra important, maybe more important than we ever realized. It's one thing to have a conversation with somebody, but when you can read their body language because you're face to face with them and they can read yours, the entire conversation becomes richer and understanding between individuals really is, is so much more achievable. Those that have quarantined since March, some of you are watching this morning, we miss you. We understand why you're quarantining. There's no shame in doing that. We're not putting shame on you for that this morning. And I know you've had good reasons to do so, so it's, it's, it's been important that you do. But when this thing gets to a place where we can all feel more comfortable being out and about, I want you to know, and I'm gonna look right at the camera, there are hugs waiting for you here Amen. when that time comes. Because we love and miss you. Even after three months of shutting down physical services, those of us that came back to service in June, we experienced this overwhelming, unexpected emotion as we physically saw the people that we hold so dear. And I, I can't imagine how it will be for those that have been isolated for much longer. When we came back after three months, there was people hugging, there was tears, tears of joy, unexpected tears. I remember walking out in the foyer that day and there was people coming in and I didn't have to stand up here with an empty room with a bunch of cameras in my face. And when people started coming in, it brought tears to my eyes because I missed them so bad. I miss them so much. And again, I can't imagine how it will be for those that have been isolated for much longer. And I realize that those of you who have been isolating because of underlining health issues or other personal reasons, you know this better than anyone. God did not design us to be alone. We have our families, and that's great, but we need one another. And we need those points of physical contacts with, with others. There's no shame in that. It's just how we are wired. Could you turn me up just a little bit? Thanks, buddy. My voice is starting to go, and I don't want to lose it before the end of this message. There's no shame in that. It's just how we're wired. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And when I think of Jesus coming back again, I believe that he's excited to return to his bride, the church. I think he can't wait. He can't wait to come and get her, so to speak. 
And this is because the nature of God is relationship. He's all about relationships. Man turns all of that into religion. I've preached on that before. We make religion, we substitute relationship for religion. But God is all about relationship. He longs to be with us, and the deeper your relationship goes with him, the more you will long to be with him too. We were created for fellowship, for koinonia is the Greek word, for relationship with him. And of course, relationship with one another. Don't neglect that face-to-face time with one another. For those of you that are social distancing and quarantining and, and just laying low, that's fine, but don't forget how important this is. Don't let your new normal become something that, that, where, where you don't have contact with people. And for those of you that are not social distancing, find ways to reach out to those that are. Call them and drive by just so they can see you in person and so you can see them. It doesn't have to be a big deal. You can wave from the street if you have to. And we've done some of those things, and you guys have been a part of some of those things, but don't stop doing that. Because there are those that have, like I said, been isolated since March, and they need your face-to-face love. You know, it's okay, and, and I used to say this before all this COVID, and my pastoral staff made fun of me for it, but it's okay to throw a hug to someone. It's not going to mean as much yet. You're laughing now. You come here. I'll hug you right now. There you go. You didn't even catch it. <laughs> you can throw a hug. You know, the word of God says, greet each other with a holy kiss. Everyone put their head down. They don't want me to make eye contact with them. we need to be there for one another no matter what our situation is number two 2020 hindsight regarding the church something else that our vision has become clear on looking back over 2020 at least christians should be able to see this more clearly than ever before but the church is not a physical place a fixed physical place i think most of us knew this before 2020 But 2020 tested our belief in this. And here in Iowa, where population is smaller and our governor has a more politically conservative approach to these things, we have not been forced into what other states have been forced into. And I praise God for that. We're blessed, guys. We're blessed. But nonetheless, it's been educational when it comes to churches being perceived as fixed addresses with physical buildings. The church is so much more than that. The church is the people. What if the buildings go away? What if the internet is shut down completely or just blocked for churches to use? Do you know how easily that could happen? And if these things do happen, the church must be ready to move forward in her mission. Read the book of Acts and rediscover the early church and how they operated. I love Acts 2, 44 through 47. And all the believers met together in one place. And they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. 
all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They didn't neglect meeting together. They met in one place. But when that didn't work because of persecution or other reasons, they just shifted locations and kept right on growing. They would take leaders from this group of believers and plant them in this city over here and start another small group believers meeting together. A church, that's what a church is. They got smaller in groups to grow larger in numbers as the church. They were multiplying, not through disunity and factions that wanted to do their own thing, but through the very opposite of that. They had one mind, one purpose, one goal. The things of this world had grown strangely dim to them. They didn't care so much about what they had or about climbing the ladder of success. They didn't live in fear. They didn't even consider their own lives in some cases. The spread of the gospel is what mattered to them. Now, don't try to read, into some, read something into what I'm saying this morning. I know we've had to do some crazy things with this pandemic. I get that. But let's not get used to never meeting. Even if it's in smaller groups that are social distance, we have to meet as a church. That's what churches do. It's important. I thought a lot about this, and I thought a lot about a pastor that Alyssa and I heard speak at General Council a couple of years ago. He's a pastor that has a church in a Middle Eastern country that I'm not gonna mention the country or his name because this is being live streamed, but he had to meet in multiple places in different buildings from week to week. He had to rent buses sometimes to hold service while driving around. He's rented boats to have service and while have service uh, going and meeting together on that boat while going down, excuse me, going down the river. He has had to be creative in finding ways to meet. There have been times he has been imprisoned and put to death, or put on death row. He wasn't put to death, but he was put on death row. Only to be miraculously rescued. And all because he was holding Christian services. There have been times when his church's meeting place was discovered and some of his church members were shot and killed by the governing officials. He showed us pictures of their blood on the street right in front of their door. That's modern times. And we must do what we have to do. We have not had to go underground to have our services, but we better be ready to do that if it comes to that before the Lord returns. And yes, we are supposed to obey our governing authorities, but only until a point. Most of the early church leaders were killed for not following the mandates to quit preaching and meeting in his name. We're not there yet here. We follow our governing authorities. We listen to them. We submit to them. But not to a place where we're not submitting to him. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? There's a line. There's a line. Number three, 2020 hindsight regarding unity. Something we've learned if we look back over the last year that we can have 2020 vision over. It should be abundantly clear to us that unity is something that we must fight for. And this is a complex thing because in achieving it, we must not compromise the word of God while at the same time refusing to sacrifice Christian relationships with one another over questions of conscience. 
And when I say questions of conscience, that's a biblical term that refers to questions that come up that aren't necessarily addressed by the Bible. Folks, unity does not just happen. It takes an incredible amount of constant effort. Marriages that are lacking in unity will struggle. Governments that lack unity will fall. And churches that lack unity will die while on the vine. Jesus even told us that a house divided against itself will not stand. And unity requires all of us to be willing to confront each other when we need to. And be willing to have others confront us. How many love it when someone confronts you? It's always a joyous thing. How many were confronted by a family member during Christmas and it turned into a family rebellion instead of a family reunion? Those kinds of things happen over holidays, don't they? But unity requires all of us to be willing to confront each other when we need to and be willing to have others confront us. Most people run from confrontation. They avoid it at all costs. But healthy, loving confrontation is the very pathway to unity. Unity is not uniformity. I've said it a hundred times from this pulpit. It's agreement. It's not sameness. It's agreement. It may even mean that we, dis we agree to disagree about something as long as that something isn't an absolute in the Word of God. Unity requires us to make our yes be yes and our no's be no, as the Bible instructs us. Never saying one thing and doing another. Never sugarcoating our words to, to a place where we're telling different people different things in an effort to please everybody we talk to. If houses are to stand firm, whether they are houses of family or houses of government or houses of worship, unity in Christ must be foundational. It must be. And you've heard me talk about unity a lot in this church. I've studied it a lot. It's one of those, the core values of this church. And I speak often of Psalm 133 in reference to unity. And in those three verses that make up the entirety of Psalm 133, it says that unity brings forth the anointing and it brings forth fruit, two things that we must have within the church. And there's no reason to exist or meet as a church if we don't have the anointing and if we don't have fruit. There's no reason to meet. We're just a social club then. This psalm ends with such a powerful sentence. Psalm 133, 3b. It says, for the Lord commanded the blessing there, life forevermore. Where there is unity, there is also the commanded blessing of the Lord. Think about that. When God commands something to happen, what happens? Whatever he commanded, right? Every time. And so when there's unity, that command, that the Lord will look upon that and he'll command his blessing over that situation and over those people. Commanded blessing means provision in the midst of famine, healing in the midst of pandemic, love in the midst of hate, forgiveness in the midst of offense, and you can go on and on and on. God loves unity so much that when he sees his people striving, even fighting for it, he looks down upon them and he commands blessings on them. And I say striving for it, fighting for it. What do you fight when you're fighting for unity? You fight your own pride. That's what you fight. You give up your right to be right about everything. That's difficult. And I'm not talking about things that are absolute in the Word of God. Because the Word of God, if it says it, we believe it, right? 
But these things that aren't in there, these things that cause squabbles between believers, we have to fight for unity. It's worth it. We can't sacrifice unity just to hold on to petty disagreements within the church. Place yourself in your brother's or sister's shoes and try to understand their point of view. If you can't, then lovingly ask them about the issue that's bothering you. If they react in anger, respond in love. Unity. I think we learned a lot about that looking back over 2020. Number four, 2020 hindsight regarding weddings and funerals. Learned a lot. In 2020, we've had the opportunity for weddings to become more about the marriages themselves and less about the wedding day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Whatever you want to say. People have been forced to downsize because of what's happening. Their, their wedding day, and wouldn't you know it, their big day can still be special when God shows up with his presence as those vows are spoken. And I, I think Christians are beginning to realize that nothing else really matters on that day as long as they have the presence of God in their midst. And take it from me, I've, I've performed many wedding ceremonies. I, I think the current count is about 60 last time I, I looked. I've done big weddings and I've done small weddings. I've done them in restaurants, I've done them outside parks, and I've done them in wineries and in backyards. I've even performed a wedding ceremony that was completely paid for by the television show Bridezilla. I, I, I found out a short time before the wedding day that that was going to happen, and then I uh, didn't allow the TV crews and the camera and the show to come into the building. They weren't very happy with me, but I don't like that show. I think it makes fun of weddings, and wedding is something, weddings are something that's sacred. I've done weddings on Sunday mornings, like a baby dedication. I've done them in the prayer room. I've done them in the CAC room. I've even done them in my office with speakerphone on for the parents to hear. That was pre-FaceTime, Zoom, and streaming days. I've done uh, weddings where the couple spent thirty dollars to $40,000. And I've done them where the couple spent next to nothing. I've done them here. I've done them everywhere. I've done them, <laughs> Sam I am, right? <laughs> I do like green eggs and ham. But I must confess that the ones I remember, the weddings that are most meaningful, are the ones that were full of the presence of God. The weddings where the couple refrained from premarital sex and they sought to please the Lord with their relationship by putting him in the center of it. You can always tell when you're part of a wedding like that. It's an absolute privilege to minister and to perform that kind of a ceremony. Our 2020 uh, hindsight regarding funerals has taught us a lot too. We haven't been able to attend some of these goodbye or see you later services because of the ever-changing social distancing rules. I mean, I've seen them change from funeral to funeral in one week here at the church when we've had multiple funerals in a week. Maybe we have been reminded of how important it is for us to spend time with those we love before they pass away. Not letting a funeral be the reason that you get together. 
There's been a lot of anger swirling around those that have lost loved ones during this time. Sometimes it's been directed at the church or the pastors. I felt it because of our obligation to follow certain rules laid out for non-religious gatherings like visitations. Some of the anger has been directed at the funeral home directors. I've talked with them. They, they Pray for them. They're wonderful people, especially during this time. The rules they have to follow are unbelievable. And I'm convinced that many people who have gotten angry and even bitter about not being able to attend their loved one's funeral or having to change what they wanted to do, I, I really believe that they were dealing more with their own personal guilt in, in some cases, not every case, but in some cases, their own personal guilt over not spending more time with that loved one while they were here. The term for that's projection. It's when you project your anger about something that happened over here onto something over here or someone else. Don't miss the free lesson that 2020 has given us. Spend time with your loved ones while they are still with us. And if you can't because of restrictions, do everything you can to connect with them and tell them how much you love them and how you feel about them. John 9, 4 says, We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And this verse is, basic, is, is really referring to the work that we must do as a church while we can still do it. I, I understand that. But the idea can be drawn to loving on those we love while we still can. There's people in here who haven't called their mom in a long time. Call your mom. Or that uncle or that aunt. Well, I don't really know them all that well. Call them anyway. Tell them they're on your heart. Hindsight, 2020. Number five, 2020 hindsight regarding politics. We've learned a few things this last year. Politically speaking, 2020 has taught us, at least I hope it has, that godly leadership is more important than political party allegiances. If our leaders are liars, if they are willing to make laws that are biblically immoral, if they manipulate their way into office or cheat to gain power, if they sleep their way to the top and put the pleasing of their flesh and the building of their own kingdom ahead of the safety and well-being of the people that they're supposed to represent, then they are not fit for public office and we shouldn't vote for them. Furthermore, public service should be more of a calling and not a career opportunity. Amen. Our vote should be for those that we feel are called to us as a whole and who will give up comforts in their own life to humbly serve. And we've just scratched the surface of the dirty money and the corruption that our politicians have been caught up in, the scandals that are swept under the carpet because of the threats to expose the morally bankrupt actions of our leaders in Washington are something that I don't know if we really even want to know. All of them and the depth of them. The threats that are made to politicians to not, not, not just threats of exposing certain truths about them, but threats to their lives and their families' lives. Do you think that some of them are voting certain ways in Congress and maybe even in the courts because they're being threatened? We don't know. But I think that goes on. It goes deep, the swamp, as it's been called. 
is more like the tar pits from the age of the dinosaurs. Extremely deep and dark, so sticky that those in it can't get out. It just sucks them in and it suffocates them. And I'm sure that almost everyone who is listening today already knew that voting for godly leadership is something that we must be a part of. But 2020 has sure had a way of solidifying it and making it a concrete truth for us to live by. And while we're at it, don't just vote. Pray for our political leaders. Pray for our country, regardless of those political leaders' party affiliations. Well, I don't like that person. Well, that's the one you really need to pray for then. True? First Timothy 2, 1 through 4. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. You, you, you know what the real truth is in reference to politics and what we've learned? And it's that the church needs to rise up and pray, pray because that's the only hope for our nation. Let's just say it like it is. If the church just gets mad about politics and doesn't pray about what's going on, yes, get involved, yes, vote, yes, do what you have to do, but if you're not praying, then don't tell me that you, that you really want to see change. Or don't tell me that you have this deep faith that's causing you to get involved. Getting involved starts on your knees. It starts with prayer. Church, rise up, pray. What do they say, the average Christian prays seven seconds a day? Well, the average Christian isn't much of a Christian then, are they? We should be talking to God all day long, especially in reference to our situation politically. Six, 2020 hindsight regarding family. And this has been something that I haven't had to experience too much personally with uh, Abigail going to college this last fall. That's 20 bucks for her. Because um, whenever I say my kids' name, I have to give them 20 bucks. And I said her name on purpose this morning because she's a college student, she needs money. So, <laughs> Abigail, that's twice, that's 40. I love you. All right. But even though that, that she went to college this last fall and we became empty nesters, uh, and it brought adjustments, our other girls being here in town has made our empty nest experience not too radical. We did have a social, we, we did have to social distance from our family for a couple of weeks, but it wasn't that difficult. So many others, however, quarantining because of exposure at work or exposure from their kids who were exposed at school. Some got out of quarantine to go right back into it a couple weeks later, a couple days later even, I've heard. And staying at home with your kids and your spouse for weeks on end, not being able to go anywhere, that took its toll on more than one family. Most of the people I know spoke of the experience as difficult at first, but then realized how much they had been missing with the high-paced go, go, go lifestyle that this virus has put a stop to. A little bit of a wake-up call, I think, of how busy we were and how much we needed to be with our family. Parents have rediscovered their personal responsibility to be a part of educating their children and not just leaving it to the public schools. I think that's a good thing. 
Siblings have had to learn to get along and even become one another's friend and playmate. That didn't come easy in some situations. Some spouses have described to me a scenario played out in their marriage that is very similar to what I hear when couples uh, reach retirement age and have to learn to live together 24-7, say. It's, it's an adjustment for sure, but there is joy in rediscovering how wonderful your spouse is. Turn to your spouse and just say this. I get the joy. I turn to your spouse. Some of you aren't, aren't, obeying, aren't obeying the pastor. If you don't have a spouse, just, just ignore this for a minute. But turn to your spouse if you have one here today. Look at them, and you look at them. Look right into those eyes. Come on, deep into the eyes. Come on. Chris Kaufman, you better do it. Your wife's looking at you. I'll start pointing you out. <laughs> and say, I get the joy of rediscovering you every day. There's a blessing in that and a joy in that. Unfortunately, we have all seen how children in some homes have gone without food or other basic needs. Schools are the first line of defense in these neglectful and sometimes even abusive situations. Schools and teachers are often the first ones to detect how desperate these situations are. And for those that desire their own families to flourish, 2020 hindsight in reference to their family has removed the veil a bit. They have seen the truth about their own family relationships and hopefully they're making adjustments necessary to overcome the issues that they were previously blind to or ignored. On the other hand, for families that don't care about seeing the relationships within their own family flourish, bad has become worse in many cases. There are dozens of scriptures that deal with family. Husbands love your wives. Wives undergird your husbands. Children obey your parents. Honor thy father and mother. Sons, don't neglect your mother's teaching or your father's instruction. Just to touch on a few. If 2020 and all the quarantining and distancing has not affected your, your family, you or your family, then, then, then you need to be thankful for that. If it hasn't affected it that much, be thankful for that. Think about what others have had to go through and make any needed changes in your priorities. Anything can happen. Learn from it before it will ever happen to you. God first. Family second. God first. Family second. God first. Family second. Work is not second. And really shouldn't even be third. Because your church family should be third. Your ministry as being a part of your local church as well as the church at large should be higher on that priority list than work. For those of you that have been reminded of the importance of family through personal experiences during this last year, hold on to that knowledge and don't forget it. Let it change your life from here on out. Well, in conclusion today, I, I want to uh, say that as much as we've gained some clearer vision from 2020 hindsight on a number of important subjects, perhaps even some 2020 vision, perfect vision in some cases, in some of these areas, it's still true, and hear me, that the best way to drive forward is to stop looking in the rearview mirror and focus in on what is to come.
Sure, we must learn from the past, and that's a good thing. But it's always easier to revel in the comfortability of what we know and what we've already experienced than it is to blaze new trails into the unknown future. What I'm saying, church, is that if we don't start looking ahead, we will find ourselves in a constant state of maintaining, looking behind. As I've said so many times, maintaining is a nice way of saying going backwards. I want you to listen to this scripture, Isaiah 43, 16 through 19. It says this, This is what God says. The God who builds a road right through the ocean, speaking of the Israelites walking through the Red Sea, of course, who carves a path through pounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies, he calls to them, they come down, and they lie down, and they can't get up. They're buried under that sea, right? They're snuffed out like so many candles. Verse 18, forget about what has happened, he says. The Lord says, forget about all that. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. The church can't blaze a trail forward if it lives in the past. Let the lessons of 2020 take root in your life. Absolutely do that. But let's not live there. Let's move forward into the unknown with confidence that God is about to do something great. And this past year is, is, is there for us to learn from, obviously. But that doesn't mean we should keep looking into the rear view mirror. There is a whole windshield of the future to look ahead to. It's our way forward. Don't forget the past and its lessons. Learn from them and learn them well. That way we can focus with faith on what is to come and what is before us. You see, God is fixing to do some amazing things in 2021. I believe it with all my heart. Some amazing things. Do you believe that this morning? I mean, do you really believe that? I mean, church, do you believe God can do something good in 2021? I do. Do I have to speak with a cadence so you'll get excited? Because I'm really not designed for that so much. But, but I can do it if you want me to. God's going to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? That's the scripture. There it is. He's making a road through the desert, the desert that we've been in. And he's making rivers of life in the depressing badlands of the things that we've gone through this last year. I hope you're as excited as I am. We've got a week of prayer that we're gearing up for. Get your schedules adjusted to make it here to pray. Make it happen. And God's been really dealing with me in regards to our theme for 2021 and I can tell you that we will be focusing a lot this next year on the Holy Spirit, the third personality of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit, of course, is the Spirit of Christ. 2021 is something to look forward to. Well, what are we going to do? I don't know. I'm just excited. I'm a sanguine. I don't need a calendar, right? No, you do. You need your wife, and she is my calendar. (laughs) But we don't have to know everything before we do it. 
We just got to know that we're in God's hands and good things are going to happen. You know what I want to do next year? I'll throw you a couple things. I'll throw you a couple bones, right? I want to plant a church next year in 2021. I want to plant a church. Yeah. We, just got, we just got done spending four years helping, pumping into, doing everything we could to help, and we're still here for them whenever they need us, but they are independent in Knoxville. They are their own church, their own entity. They pay Pastor Dave themselves. They pay their bills themselves, and it's a flourishing, good church. Wonderful church. And that's because of you guys. I, I say we do that again. Why not? We've got the means to do it and the, people's, the people to do it. We've got to start praying about that. And, and that's what the, the week of prayer is all about, praying for what's coming forward. We have an outreach planned, and we've talked about possibly doing it. We, were, we had it planned to do this last Easter. We were going to really gear up and do it. It never happened because of all that went on. Um, then we said, well, we'll do it next year. Well, we don't even know if this year it's going to work, but we're putting together something magnificent for, for Easter that, that I think uh, everybody in this church can be involved with. And it could be a huge blessing, not just to our, not just to our, our, our town or county, but it could be a huge blessing to, to uh, the state, really. I think people will come to see what's going on. Uh, I'm, just, I'm not going to get into it any further than that. I'm just let you sit there and salivate over it a little bit we got great things happening we got a free clinic that's going to be opened up very soon very soon it's awesome and why why are we doing that because there's no better way to reach out to people than hitting them at their point of need and there is a huge need for people to get medical care who can't or won't go get it because their their insurance they can't afford to use their insurance they can't afford their insurance and they can't afford to use it you know what i'm talking about there's people out there that, that they won't go in to get something simple checked that could be reversed because they just can't afford to use their insurance. Now they'll have an opportunity to get that care for free. And it's because of wonderful doctors and nurses that, that want to help with that and do that, and it's been their passion for a long time. It's all coming together. You know, there's things that we can do, church, things that are ongoing ministries. 2021, I think, is going to be sparked by God moving. I think it's going to be, you remember a series I preached one time called Entourage? Signs and wonders will follow those that believe. Let's start praying that the year 2021 will be a year that signs and wonders follow us because we believe. That won't happen if we're looking in the rearview mirror. That happens when we focus our eyes ahead. We learn from the past. We don't, we don't hate on it. We learn from it. We take from it, but we look forward. We look forward. God is good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you today. I, I just thank you, God, for a church that's passionate about you, that's passionate to step into the unknown even, God. I thank you for a church that desires to seek you with all their heart. And Lord God, I even pray this way, which is maybe a, a little manipulative. I'm not trying to be manipulative uh, with the people of this church, but God, I pray that our level of commitment to you would be modeled by how many people spend time in prayer during the week of prayer. And Lord, if we can't show up to prayer, pray, I, then God, we don't want a bunch of new stuff to happen because we won't be able to handle it. God, I thank you for a people that loves to be in your presence. 
And for those that can't be here physically, that they would pray uh, at home and wherever they're at. And that, and that works too. God, we love you so much. Change our hearts. Change our vision. Change our focus. We, we, we take the 2020 vision that we've gotten from the year 2020, the hindsight from the year 2020, those things that we see clearly on now, God, and we apply them to our life and we say, we are going to look forward and blaze trails that we never thought possible for your glory, God, for your kingdom. God, I pray that every last person in Warren County and surrounding area would be privileged with hearing a simple, clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ because Indianola First is doing what it's supposed to be doing. We love you, God, and we commit that to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.